Welcome to show number two of our podcast with me, myself, Joey, and my good friend on the other end of the line, Venny, uh, all the way sitting in sunny Edinburgh. Um, this is the second, second, second of our podcasts, and we finally have a name, Venny, after much, much, much deliberation. Yes, we do. Harder than choosing a child's we name, do. as a matter of fact. Um, the amount of text we sent back and forward uh, on this matter was, and and bouncing ideas off my wife as well. That's always a good indicator of uh, whether it's a good name or not. But we have Venny. Do you want to do you want to tell us what we've gone with? Yeah, well, like you say, we try. We looked through everything, didn't we? We looked through kind of song names. We try to, you know, a lot a lot of uh, podcasts out there, and um, a lot of them have been taken already. But what we've gone with, which we, we both agreed on, is heavy matters. And I think it works in a few ways in that, you know, heavy music matters a lot to us, but we're also discussing heavy kind of topical issues as well. So, yeah, so heavy matters is the name of our new pod. Um, as I said, it's show two. We usually record on a Sundays. Um, as I said in our previous podcast, um, we're both full time um, workers, and time is precious. Um, unfortunately, I was stricken down by a bout of tonsillitis this week, so we're actually recording a few days later. So, some of the uh, news we're going to discuss um, has already happened. You may be aware aware of. However, we are going to discuss it anyway because it's very poignant um, to the heavy metal community. So yeah, the podcast is basically myself and Venny, as I said, um, talking about heavy metal. And the way the show is structured is um, basically we talk about, we review two albums that have been released um, recently. They're our picks. Usually I pick one, Venny picks the other. Um, and then we go into our final uh, deep cuts section, which is a review on albums of past past times and how they are relevant to the heavy metal scene. We're not just going to go through the classic albums. I mean, I think everyone's done a review of Master of Puppets and the Black Album. You know, we're going to go for some interesting choices. We're going to go for some odd EPs, yeah. some some things that maybe didn't get there, didn't get highlighted at the time that we wanted to go back to. So yeah, that this is our way of. Uh, of a spin on that kind of well well worn trope in podcasts, and uh, and some albums that didn't get as much um, credit as they were due as as our last yeah. album on Deep Cuts did, uh, Venny with Future Real, which you <laughs> <laughs> defended Defend- to, the, to my grave, defended of the faith indeed. Okay, so. W- w- the show usually um, runs between an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. Um, we don't want to be talking for hours. As I said, we've got um, our own personal lives. So um, the the two albums we're going to review today, um, the first one is by August Burns Red, uh, their new one called Guardians. And the second one is uh, the debut album from a band called Iris and Order of the Mind. And... On our deep cuts today, we're going through an album which I'm very looking for, very much looking forward to, which you and I, Venny, would I would say is a staple of our youth and probably one of the probably one of the most important albums of our youth, I'd say. Um, and that's Pantera's Far Beyond Fucking Driven. Um, very much looking forward to that. Um, but anyway, we'll jump straight in, shall we? Um, the news, as I said, we're, we're a couple of days behind because of um, we're, we're late recording. But um, the big news story, Venny, um, that broke was around Krang. Um, Krang magazine are going to be stopping printing um, into July, July 2020, obviously due to the coronavirus. Now, Krang, I think anyone in our age group would certainly say everyone has probably bought Krang. Mm-hmm and read it at some point and has a big impact on our um on our upbringing on metal so um it's a it's a sad time Venny, not only Kerrang stopping but sorry go on you want to say something yeah yeah no i i mean i'd echo those sentiments entirely Kerrang's one of the staples in terms of print metal press you know, rock and metal press. When we were younger, 
it was very relevant at those times. I remember going into news agent every week, getting reading rank <laughs> in the news agent, not having <laughs> money to buy it. And uh, it's fair to say, you know, in recent years, it for certainly of tastes such as ours, you know, it, it did fall off the radar significantly. You know, every week there'd be kind of five seconds of summer or blink 182 you know it wasn't relevant but what i would say is yeah yeah in the last 12 months i think it's been under new new editor and they have been pushing a lot more of the music that we would look to cover on this a lot more younger bands um, bands like employ to serve Rolo to massive being on the front cover so i think it is you know whilst i, I wasn't a regular um, patron of um, Kerrang, I am still, you know, interested in its progress, and to hear it's going out of print is significant. I think, and like you say, a lot of it's due to coronavirus, but a lot of it, I think, is just a reflection of the print media in general. Um, people not buying it, people favouring reading things online. What do you think about that in general, Chris? Um, yeah, hundred um, percent. Just they've only said they're going to. Just- stop until july however i i think yeah. it's important to say that we don't know how long this is going to go on for and there's obviously a significant financial impact for not printing and getting revenue in for that certain period um but it's it's definitely um it's sad news as you you touched on it did get to the point where Kerrang was more of a 30 seconds of Mars on the front page and we didn't really read it, but um, it still obviously does support smaller bands, like you said, Rolo and that. Um, I, I I do fear for the future of printing magazines, um, not just the Kerrangs, but um, like <clears throat> even to an extent, like would, would Metal Hammer, is that going to survive more than... Yeah, <laughs> you know, has it got more than a year shelf life? If you excuse the pun, um, on that, um, like a lot of it's going to digital zine now. Everything's online. Um, you know, you can just go on Twitter and you'll find a story that you would probably find in Metal Hammer. So, um, no, it, it's it is very sad. And what's your personal view on it, Chris? On print print media in general, oh, is it something 100%. you like? Yeah, is it um, you kind of... well, you and I are subscribers to one magazine. We won't say which, um, but we get it through the post each each month. And we've well, you've certainly alluded to the fact of <laughs> it's like getting a Christmas present through the door each month when it when it comes <laughs> in. And I I love getting it through the door, and I love sitting down with a cup of tea, you know, after work, throwing on some tunes and just flicking through Metal Hammer. I I think it's absolutely brilliant. And it's very much in, you know, in the same vein as people who buy vinyl like yourself. It is a similar motif, I think, that, you know, that physical thing in your hand, it's very diff- different from the, the streaming culture and the social media and, you know, reading things online. So I think there is something nice to be said about having something tangible in your hand that you can, you can do you, read. Do you think that's... To, you know? an older generation thing though like say for example 20 year olds now maybe would they buy metal hammer they'll probably go online and look at it all yeah you may be right maybe we're just two <laughs> old dinosaurs with, with, well i certainly feel that way anyway um yeah, yeah um well either way look it's very sad hopefully it continues because as we said um we still like picking up the old magazine um but no, I think like a lot of things, um, I mean, look at CDs, for example, that, you know, which 20 year old today goes out and buys CDs? Yeah. The only thing I would say that's slightly bucking that trend is the fact that vinyl, you know, people, young people are still going for vinyl, probably because it's a bit fashionable, but, you know, um, that that's the only thing that bucks Yeah, no, a it, it, it's a good point, but... Um, as we all know, vinyl died when CDs came out, and now vinyl's coming back round. CDs have died, ironically. Um, so I don't know the shelf life, yeah. how how long it will be. I don't know. Um, but look, it, it it is very sad, and you have to think as well, not just for the mag, but for the people who work for these magazines. You know, like 
they a lot of them yeah. put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into these um, publications. Um, I think if I'm, you might know this, Venny, but the the last uh, um, production of Kerrang was all done by people working from home. I I didn't I, I yeah I think I saw that I didn't yeah. look into it in detail um, but yeah so like there are you know loads of people or especially the people who write for them and have jobs with this so hopefully it um it continues after this uh, for every publication to be honest in that regard yeah yeah um yeah, agree okay so moving on quickly um then so uh on last Saturday Parkway Drive um streamed their documentary viva the underdogs uh, on youtube um which is their documentary of them headlining wacken festival in germany did you catch it ben no you okay. need to take the lead um, on this so Chris. basically it was um parkway uh starting out how they've been confirmed as headlining wacken and breaking all these trends of like could parkway drive a small metalcore band from australia ever headline a massive festival like this and then it rewinds the start of the european tour building up to wacken and all the um bits in between the struggles they had with production and illness and leading up to the festival itself um it, it was good um i'd like to see more um footage of the actual festival itself whether they'll release that as a separate package you know a solely live at wacken um uh, DVD remains to be seen, but the from what I've heard from the the, the soundtrack, the the Undogs live at Wacken sounded pretty phenomenal. And we had a couple of mates who went to Wacken uh, and saw it live, and uh, they said it was fairly phenomenal. And uh, for just before we move on for a drive, like uh, sorry for a band like Parkway Drive, um, you know, starting out in a basement in Australia to where they've come is pretty uh phenomenal what's your take on parkway just quickly ben what, what what's your take on them yeah i'm a big fan i um i uh, i echo your sentiments entirely in that you know they come from what can be considered a relatively limited scene in that kind of metalcore and other than arguably event sevenfold no one really has broken through to kind of festival yeah. headliner status but um you know i i don't as you will hear when we come on to talk about um august burns reds you know i don't love this entire genre but i do think parkway are the best at it and i do yeah. i do really like them and a question to fire straight back at you a parkway going to be had headline i would say within soon? the next three years you'll see parkway headline download they are um, when they headlined Vakken, or when it was announced they headlined Vakken, Vakken is notoriously like a pretty extreme festival. And I was a bit dubious, like um, worried about them headlining. But they, from the scenes there, looked immense. And I think Download is the perfect environment for Parkway Drive to headline. You know, um, they're a accessible band, I think, as you were. Um, they headlined second stage last yeah. year or the year before. Uh, I think last year. But anyway, they they, they, they were far too big for that. The crowd yeah. they they drew was unreal. So yeah, yeah, they headlined Bloodstock as yeah, well. So they're not, you know, they are they um they're used to um going against the festival. You know, Bloodstock again, like you've said about Wacken, is very traditional metal festival, and you did raise an eyebrow when. Parkway announced for headliners, but I think they just proved all their doubts. Hundred percent, and delighted um, to see, it. delighted for them as that. well, because um, you know they do everything yep. in house. Their guitarist is the the tour manager as well, or the manager of the band, which is really good to see. Um, so yeah, hopefully download soon. Um, and then what's becoming a more well, it has to be is um, band live streaming um, gigs um, online. And the one that grabbed my eye, being a, a bit of a black metal fan, was Enslaved. Um, did one last Wednesday. Did you, did you catch any of that, Ben? 
again not seen it but it's on my list of yeah. uh, isolation activities um like you say it's becoming a thing now and i think code orange have gained a reasonable amount of traction having released their album and then not being able to tour it um did a live stream of a, a show which as i say gained a fair bit of traction what yeah i mean it wasn't though? um in in the style of you know, Code Orange being on a stage, it was basically enslaved, almost in in the studio, just sort of stood around each other. Um, but they okay. had like a small bit of production. They had um, the lights there, obviously, and then in the background they had um, uh, backdrops with different album covers on, um, Issa and Rita when they were doing songs off that, for example. Uh, and the setlist was great, and the sound was phenomenal for a, a live stream. Um, it's, it's still very hard to get your head around that when a song finishes and it's just silence. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but look, it's the, yeah, yeah. the, the age we live in. Um, and if that's what bands need to survive, I think a few other bands have done it where they've set up Patreon page as well to donate, which is, which is nice. And yeah. Slave didn't do it. If they had have done, I 100% would have given some money. Um, if any other bands that, I, I do stream and that pops up, then I, I will definitely give some money and I strongly encourage you and anyone else to do it because as we said last week, bands are not getting any money at the moment. So very tough yeah, time. Tough time. Um, okay, then let's move on to our first, <clears throat> excuse me, album review this week and it is by August Burns Reds and the album is called Guardians. It's their ninth album from the metalcore Yanks. Um, Grammy nominated twice then, August Burns Red. Yeah. You don't seem to be. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I might be missing something with this band, but for me, they've never really grabbed my attention. I, there's nothing with, you know, I, it's not that I don't like this type of music. I, as I say, I'm a big fan of Parkway. There's a lot of bands, mm. you know, architects. There's a lot of bands that, in this vein that I really like. But I, to me, there's nothing about August Burns Red that really jumps out and grabs me and says, this is what's different about it. This is something, you know, this is something that stands out from the pack. So why why is this band being nominated for two well, bands, Chris? Ha- when uh, sorry i'm trying to phantom opera oh, sorry phantom, sing phantom of the opera <laughs> <laughs> phantom anthem their last album which they got a grammy nomination on um was one of my albums of 2019 if i remember rightly um now probably from my point of view is because there wasn't much metalcore released last year in in this vein um i see where you're coming from they are a textbook metalcore band they have breakdowns they have the riffs they have the i don't say screaming but the the vocals to match um i i can see where you're coming from in in that they don't really stand out in the way that parkway drive does they don't really have many sort of sing-along anthemic or if you look at kill switch engage like rose of sharon for example those sort of tracks where it's instantly recognizable do you know what i mean um but from from if we're talking about this band in in metalcore as a general they are they fit the mold perfectly and whether it's i don't know whether they just haven't had the pr or um the management to get them up to the next level maybe that's something but um I'm a fan of August Burns Red. Would I go out of my way to see him? Yes, I probably would. Um, would I, okay. if they were clashing with another band at Download, for example, that I really enjoyed, would I go see August Burns Red over them? Probably not. Um, but obviously they're doing something right to be, well, the Grammys, Grammy nomination. Yeah. And where, if you had like a Premier League table of metalcore bands, where do they sit? <laughs> are they like chasing Europe or are they 
dodging relocation. I, I've it's got funny, no this real was a handle. question I was going to ask you actually to, to, to rank them, <laughs> but you beat Don't me I? to it. Um, yeah, I'd say they they'd be chasing probably Europa League, maybe just outside that. Like you yeah. called out a couple there, like um, Architects, for example, are well ahead of them. Parkway Driver, well ahead of them. Kill Switch are well ahead of them. Um, I what what kind of what kind of venues are they going to be headlining if they came around the UK? I mean, we're relatively familiar with uh, London venues. You know, what what kind Jeez, of venues? I haven't been to a, a London venue for a while, Venny. Um, if we're talking capacity cap, yeah, what I what mean, kind of cap? yeah, what kind of cap? Seven hundred, seven hundred thousand, maybe. Cap. Yeah. Um, yeah. Depends on who, depending on who's supporting them. Maybe yeah. if they had a strong bill, they might push that up a bit. But yeah, yeah, I get you. I mean, just as a means of comparison, Killswitch Engage when they came out through Scotland, they're they're in the Barrowlands, which is just over a thousand cap. So yeah, that sounds I mean, about I think... right if they're doing seven hundred, maybe six, seven hundred. Yeah, cap I mean, I venues. saw Killswitch here in Dublin. I think the academy was you'd probably say about a thousand as well and that was fairly stacked so yeah Yeah. about that really i couldn't see them getting any bigger than that if i'm being honest um are are you familiar with their back catalog at all or is it i listen i listen to uh phantom um, (laughs) phantom of the opera as you like to call it um and you know, I had the same feelings then as I do now. I I like it. Don't, don't get me wrong. This this <laughs> does not offend me in any way. I like it, but um, I just it doesn't. It's got no hook to to yeah. kind of sink its claws in for me. I I very happily listen along to this. It, there's nothing offensive about it, but it's just nothing that really distinguishes no, um, it, I guess, is the only thing. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, I'm just looking through my notes here. Um, you know, I've put the textbook metalcore track. You know, it's everything's textbook about it. It, it fits into that. Um, well, I will say this, there's some decent guitar playing on this, some of the ceremonies. Yeah, it's, it's highly yeah. technical. You know, I, th- I think that's probably one of the things that... Um, we, if we're looking for things to differentiate them, they are technical. They're um, they're not just chugging along with uh, very typical break- breakdown. Some of the, like you say, some of the guitar and drum leads in this were pretty technical, and that's one of the that's the first note I made. Essentially, is it's technical. Yeah, stuff and but at the same time, I mean, I've put here in pretty much every track, great breakdown, amazing breakdown. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they do fit the molds. You know, seamlessly into that. Um, the the album sort of, you know, there's eleven tracks on it. It um, <clears throat> it starts good. It then around sort of two thirds of the album, I sort of started to lose interest. And then on on track eight, yeah. um, Blood Letter really picked its, it really got its hooks back into me. It really picked up again. It's a, re- I think it's probably the heaviest track on the album. Um, dare I say, sort of a bit of deathcore mixed in there as well. It was really, really brutal. Um, and it finished off, you know, it finished off really well. As you said, it's not... It's... For 49, 49 minutes, it's not unduly long, is it? I mean, for a metalcore record, 49 minutes, acceptable, uh, would, you, would you say? Or are you... I, no vibes I'm getting from you. Yeah, you think that's, that's what I was long? thinking. And I think that's like what you touched on is the technical side of this album. Um, let's take Architects out of this equation because their songs are uh, technical as well. Um, but if you look at like the Parkway Drives, for example, especially their earlier stuff, um, were very quick in and out hits. Whereas this album is... And I think... Do you know what I think it's down to these days is that every band is trying... You know, so this this is their ninth album. They're, every, they're developing every time and trying to do something different but i just but are they though is my question is you know is this not very similar to their last record and their record before that are they doing enough that 
interest you know will keep the interest or are they just putting out another album that is you know ticking the same boxes i i, I don't know being not a big fan but there's when listening through, you know, that yeah, um, like I said, Phantom Anthem was, a, I really, really loved that album. Um, this one doesn't come close to, to, to in my opinion. Um, if we're talking from a strictly metalcore, so fans of, um, you know, diehard yes. in that genre, they will enjoy it. I don't think it would be played yeah. every, you know, it wouldn't be a tr- album you sort of go, oh, let's listen to that. Um, I think if you were talking about it in the heavy metal as a whole, or the, if we're talking about the metal tier, yeah. family as you were, so we're talking just metal at the top, and then you've got the bands, you know, genres feeling yeah. down, it would it yeah, wouldn't yeah. even touch many people's radars, to be honest. In, in, is is my opinion um yeah. like what was there anything that you know standout tracks for you or anything that like you yeah i i picked out in my notes the two i liked were paramount and defender both of which are quite close to the start of the album i think maybe the third, second, third and fourth track third yeah. or third fourth tracks yeah and I, I mean, I, I guess that's potentially echoing what you've said is that potentially after that, I've started to get a bit lulled into, you know, starting to lose a little bit of interest. But like I say, I, I like this album. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to give it a shooting. I I was in no way offended by it. But I think that's maybe I'm damning it with faint praise by saying <laughs> yeah. I was not offended by it because there's nothing that, nothing that jumped out. No, I mean... I, I could probably speak for, for us both. This is probably not even going to touch our top 20 or come close to our top 20 albums of the year. Um, I I threw it on again today just before to, to refresh. And um, yeah, it, it was on in the background while I was doing clean or whatever. And I have to admit, I sort of faded out after a bit and just it just sort of became like a, a, a background noise as it, not a background noise, that's, that's harsh, but um just something on in the background if you know what i mean yeah 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 i know what you mean i and look i i don't think this can be bothering any of our end of year lists um but i think you know a good album yeah. a good solid album you're giving it i'm giving it a six and uh, the reason i'm giving it a six is yeah. from a heavy metal as I said, a metal in general. If I was a diehard metalcore fan, which you probably, I'm not wrong in saying this, you're probably more of a metalcore fan than I am. Um, you know, it would probably be <laughs> more of a a seven. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'd go the same. I'm going with a, uh, yeah. going with a six as well. Um. But yeah, that's not. It's not to say that I didn't 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 not like it. Uh, for uh, fans of Chris, yeah. we've said a lot of bands. Parkway, Killswitch, Architects, All That Remains, Heaven Shall Burn. Pick any metalcore. Yeah. I actually had. Um, yeah, Miss May I? Sure. Ghost Inside. I, I've never really gone in too yeah, hard on probably. those bands. Um, yeah. Once upon a time, bring me the horizon before they turned. Absolutely shite. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, if they were played download, as I said, I'd happily see them play. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. If, if nothing else was going on, I would very happily, happily yeah. stand there with a beer. Yeah, and, absolutely. And so that's that's a couple of sixes um, from us. So moving on to our next album. This is a debut from a band called Irist, and the album's called Order of the Mind. It's a debut. It's a 40-minute long track when you compare it to its track, sorry, album. So compare that to Orcs Burns Red. It's significantly less. Um, these are a yeah. five-piece from Atlanta. Um, nice little story that the two of them, American, uh, sorry, North American, then three traveled up from South America and eventually made this band um they're signed to nuclear blast who have been pushing them 
a lot, and quite rightly so. Um, Venny, what's your what's your initial thoughts on this band? Yeah, I mean, it's clear it's their debut record, but I I'm I'm really enjoying this album. Really enjoying it. It's got it's you know it comes from that region of America which is famous for your mastodons and your red fangs that kind of I don't know what you call it would you call it sludge or yeah you know, sludge yeah. it's it's metal isn't it it's Doomy, whatever it's got but they also clearly are big fans of uh, oh, certain all French over bands. this album. They, um, there are certain kind of, I picked out a few, you know, I picked out a few tracks. The track called Creation that sounds very much like a drum intro that from, Mario Dupont from The Way Is All Flesh with, by any uh, chance, yeah, yeah. And similarly, there is, um, there is another track which probably probably one of my favorites called harvester which um a breakdown that his brother joe would be similarly pleased with i think and uh it's 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 this kind of this kind of record i really like that takes lots of different elements of of metal and splices them all together and comes up with something that you know it's not mind-blowingly unique but it's different enough to stand out and that's yeah what I really um like you've touched on pretty much all the points there um this album has gorgira and mastodon all over it <laughs> like it's it's not it's not even a tinge it is yeah fingerprints all over, all over this um but <laughs> Um, let's let's not take it away. You you touched on some points there. <laughs> There's some points in here. There's a track track three severed, and the vocals are very harmonic and remind me of um, Burton C. Bell in Fear Factory during his manufacture days. Yeah, There's really? obviously a lot of influences, and look, every new band has influences. That's how they get to where they are. Um, but fucking hell, this album's great, isn't it? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. What just to go back to what you're saying about the vocals, what I, I think is excellent about this is they have got, you know, the majority is harsh vocals, which will appeal to, you know, most metal fan, most death metal fan. You know, it's got the the harsh vocals which make up the, the majority, but it does have some quite interesting melodic vocals which aren't your standard, you know wet kind of poppy singing in the chorus of a metalcore song these are quite low kind of choral melodic vocals almost a bit doomy so remind me of kind of some of the old english doom bands like my my dying bride and that kind of thing so it's got both elements and so i think it can appeal to quite a lot of people uh, without alienating any one set of fans i think if you're a death metal fan you could you could vibe with this record similarly if you're if you like mastodon and kajira i think you'd similarly like it so that that's one thing about the vocals taking just taking that aside from the rest well of them touched on the rest of the the, the 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 band um clearly very talented individuals on this um the drumming, as I said previously, double basses. I'm a big fan of double bass in a record, and they use this. They don't overuse it, which is nice because it's obviously not a thrash record where obviously double basses throughout, but they use it very, not even subtly, but in, in points where it fits, if you know what I mean, um, on this. It's very heavy drumming. Um, very good. Both guitarists. Excuse me. Um, as a band for their debut is pretty pr- pretty mind-blowing do you, can you think of any bands that have come out with a debut this strong in recent times those i mean you might be setting me up for this but I, this reminds me not necessarily by the way it sounds but it very much yeah. reminds me yeah. of when conjurer came out was that what was yeah, that what was, you were thinking as well? Or... 
and it's not it's not because this sounds like conjurer but what what i think it is is conjurer a very difficult band to label like if i was a you know, we've talked about metalcore band and what whatnot. If I was to ask you what kind of band Conjurer are, you know, they don't fall into one of these pre-formed genres, no, do no. they? You know, I, I mean, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to say what what would you call them? You know, post metal sludge doom, yeah, yeah, post hardcore. They're hard to define. And what I loved about that when Conjurer came out was the fact they mixed all these types of metal they had a bit of doom they had a bit of black metal they had a bit of death metal i think iris do something very similar with this is they they get to get all these types of metal which we we love we love all these different bands in isolation they kind of put things together in a slightly different way which comes with something quite fresh you know we've heard a lot of metal we know you know we've kind of touched on it with the August Burns Reds when, when something generic comes through a scene, you know, you just see it coming and you're pretty switched off to it. Whereas this sounds... Yeah, 100%. And I mean, the fact that they're signed to Nuclear Blast, um, you know, by, by Monty Connor, um, it's a testament to the band. Obviously, they've, they seem like a hardworking band, like, like the lads in Conjure, like you said. Um, and, and it's it's nice to see that a big label like this has put their faith in a band on their debut to release something like this, and they have been pushing it a lot. Who do you think th- this band would would be touring with? Like, do you think they're ready to go out on their own? Probably not, you know. And you you can see if you're keeping those Conjurer parallels going, Conjurer being supporting all kinds of bands for a long time and and did so for a long while before doing a headline tour so i think this you know i think the aforementioned mastodon kajira be very obvious choices opening for them on a kind of four band bill but um you know i think what's good about them because they fit into all these different types of metal is they could support a lot of bands they could go out with a solo, for example. They could go out with a Macedon. They could go out with, um, you know, even kind of... Yeah, North Luna, that's, that's a great show. You know, someone from the post-metal world. They could, they could play at Bloodstock. They could play at Downloads. And they could play at Arctangent. I think that's... This, that's why this record is structured. Yeah, no, I think so you touched on Arctangent. This is a textbook band for that that sort of festival. Um, I think probably download, they wouldn't get the crowds that... And I don't mean this disrespect of the download fans, um, but, you know, download is more of a, a mainstream festival where you like to kiss and that everyone goes to see the headliners. Um, and unfortunately, probably wouldn't get the attention they deserve. Um, I just wonder whether is it too obvious them going out with Gorgira and Macedon? Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and and those guys now they've they've paid their dues and they are playing big rooms now, and you know it be they'll probably be looking to put together a more competitive bill to sell tickets. So you know I don't know whether they would be in the frame. Yeah, no, that, that that's a very good point. Um. But look, I mean, we touched on a few of the tracks. I think the standout track for me is uh, track five, Dead Dead Prayers. Um, you know, the, it's got swirling guitars in there, double bass. The ending is, is heavy as uh, F as well. Um, it, it's one of those albums where, as we talked about the Orcs Burns Red, it's sort of, you know, you drifted in and out. This grabbed your attention from start to finish. Um, and the more you listen to it, like, I I would definitely go back to this album, you know, probably once once a week, maybe For twice sure. a week. Uh, sorry, uh, once a fortnight. Um, yeah, yeah. And I could probably see this breaking into my top 20. Um, Me too. Uh, Me too. I mean, look, we're in we're in April now, so um, yeah. For me, for me, this is this is competitive. I, just to go back to some of the tracks you mentioned, for me, I, I really liked yeah. The Harvester. 
which is towards the end of the album um, with the breakdown that I mentioned. The well following mm. up from that is brilliant. And that's got a, this classic snare triplet to introduce the uh to introduce it which is very similar to Wretch by Contra, <laughs> which also kind of helped me draw those kind of comparisons but um yeah those in and having those two strong tracks towards the end of the and album, i think actually really i put here on um on the well i think that really shows you touched on the vocals earlier that really shows off his range of everything in that song um mm-hmm. you know that the harmonic to the melodies to the the I don't want to say screaming, but the heavy, harsh vocals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, going back to the, talking about download, you know, this is, I think the vocals would appeal to a broad range. Some of some people, you know, who like Amon mm. Amarth would like these vocals similarly to, you know, to more trad metal fans and to the more kind of extreme metal fans. So I think there's nothing to offend anyone here. You know, lot to appeal to yeah to no absolutely um so what are you giving it out of 10 Vanny? so for a debut um very strong i think they're showing potential they can go further i'm giving it a i think nine would be too much uh so i'm happy yeah, with i'm it. on the same page Eight. as you um yeah, 100%. As, as a debut, absolutely cracking. And eight is fully deserved. Um, hopefully we get to see these. Well, <laughs> I say hopefully we get to see them soon. But uh, whenever Grace and Shaw's on some sort of um, tour circuit, whether it be supporting or a small headline show, I mean, the fact they've got Nuclear Blast as the record label um, would be probably a good indicator that they probably would start or potentially have the, the financial clout to do some small headline shows across Europe, perhaps. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the, another thing that helped me justify that eight, I was thinking Maya by Conjure was a nine. Is it no, as good as I that? Agree with I that. don't think so. So for me, I'm, I'm happy with, I'm happy with an eight. And again, for fans of, we've kind of touched on a lot of them already. It, it, it's I don't yeah it's Gorgia Mastodon um all over you know if you like those two bands then you you will like this band <laughs> fact um yeah good yeah. so that's our two um two albums out of the way for this year so we go into our deep cuts section um and this week I, i'm really looking forward to talking about this i've been listening to it loads um anyway so it's it's far beyond driven by pantera it's their third album as the pantera we know it we're not including the pantera glam rock we're talking from cowboys from hell up to reinventing the steel the five albums okay let's make that clear uh, we're, we're not going into that glam metal shit uh, I know, I know. This is a uh, a show about heavy metal, but I cannot really see myself talking about glam metal on this show, other than what I've just said there <laughs> ever again. <laughs> 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 Unless we review Kiss at Download or something, which one of us will have to go to, and the other one will have to go to <laughs> Slayer headlining, <laughs> for example. Anyway, um, uh, yeah. yeah. So. Just, just before we go ahead on this, Far Beyond Driven, this is their, their third album, and we're talking about Pantera in the in in that time during that album, Far Beyond Driven. Now, Phil Anselmo obviously has had a lot of issues post Pantera. Well, let's let's make this a fair argument. He's had a lot of great projects since then, um, since Pantera. Um, but he's also had a lot of issues, and the main one being that, um, don't mean to use the ironic, but the vulgar incident in uh, in that in that club, the the racist um, comment he made. So, just just for a shout out, we we are not condoning any of that shite at all. We are purely talking about Pantera in the era from Cowboys from Hell to Reinventing the Steel, um, and we're talking about Phil Anselmo in that era of pantera 
let's just make that bluntly clear. Venny, anything to add on that? Yeah, yeah no, you know, he's had his misdemeanours. We're trying to detract or separate yeah. the artist from the art here a little bit, and we're talking about the music yeah, that Pantera absolutely. made. Um, so, yeah, this it released in 1904. Um after sorry following from vulgar display of power uh venny do you want to kick off your i touched at the the start of the show um about the album having a probably an impact on both of us as a use but do you want to maybe elaborate on that yeah i mean you can go through the stats on this album it's a number one album in the u.s billboard and for an album extreme of this you know that's unbelievable in this day and age it went platinum um you know it's you can talk about those stats but on a very human level this album for me is when i if i was to listen to pantera now it would be very much between this and great seven trend hill in the back the two albums that i put on and we'll go into the nuts and bolts of what makes this a great album but it in a similar way to Slipknot going from Slipknot to Iowa, they did not dumb things down. They did not become more commercial. If anything, they went the other way and became more extreme. And that is why Pantera will always be loved and they will always have so much. Absolutely. Respect. This there's probably not one heavy metal fan in the world who would dismiss this album as being a vital album in the history of heavy metal. If they are, then they're probably lying because this, like you said, it went platinum for God's sake. Do you, do you think if, if you went to a standard rock club up and down the country on a Friday night and you got some knucklehead dancing to walk on the, on the dance floor, does, does this album mean something to them? And this is a genuine question, or is this something, you know, that you have to scratch a bit deeper to get into? Sorry, are you mean? do you mean saying that these people solely think vulgar display is dead? Yeah, they'll, they'll know the tracks from Cowboys. They'll know the tracks from Vulgar, but will they know... 100%. The, 100%. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, okay. I, I mean, we'll, we'll touch on it, and I'll, I'll just I'll name one song before we go through the tracks. Five minutes alone. It, 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 do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that this kind of naturally leads us on to the opening four and tracks of this album. In my notes, I've got opening four tracks with exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, because I would. Now, you'd obviously had to do a lot of searching, and there probably are albums with four tracks as decent as opening, but I would be very hard-pressed to find an album with four tracks as solid as this for opening an album. I think it's just the way it absolutely roars out of the traps, and it just doesn't let up for four tracks. And they're of the highest quality. The quality does not dip. And then then you've got track <laughs> five, which is Good Friends and a bottle of pills, which just it just it obviously changes the pace of things entirely, but it also goes to highlight those four tracks as being something entirely yeah, special. Um I mean just just to probably to just go back a bit as well to say to follow on from a mouth an album as heavy as Vulgar Display of Power into this. If you hold the opening track of Vulgar Display of Power, Mouth for War, to Strength Beyond Strength, you know, they're, they're both solid out, but Strength Beyond Strength is, like you said, it is a colossal, mm. like two fingers, and, and, and you see it in their home videos, you know, where they're like, we don't give a fuck about the, pro- you know, what everyone panders to. This album is purely for us. And you hear that from a lot of bands these days, you know, we don't care about the process albums for us, but you really felt it from Pantera. They were like, you know, when all the- 
that is very much their modus operandi, isn't it? To be kind of stronger than all, to exert their will and dominate, you know, all of these yeah. things they have written songs about. So that's very much their the yeah. way they do um, things. But yeah, I mean, so we'll move on to, you know, strength beyond strength into becoming that double bass lick is just, oh, it makes me just, you know, goosebumps when I hear it. Oh, yeah. I I mean, the, I, I find it hard to pick out anything in between these four tracks. I just think they almost merge into one, merge into one in another perfectly, and they're hard to pick a, a anything different apart from them so they're all so good they're just yeah um i mean and becoming some of the vocal some of the lyrics pertaining to you know how they are becoming a bigger band how they're becoming god-sized would you, and, you know sorry they've got number would you, one would you, would you say that album. is um a sense of arrogance perhaps that that was starting to shine through from phil Potentially, but it's very much like we've just said, is that that is the way they did things, you know, that is the way they operated. They went to dominate and be the biggest and strongest and fastest. And, you know, so I don't think it's out of character for them, but I think it is just them realising what a big band they were. They were very, very well said. <laughs> you could put that on a beer mat. <laughs> um yeah, and then and then then to five minutes alone, which obviously the the the, the oh. great backstory to that, where um, I I may skirt around the exact, but where some fans' dad said, "Oh, I want to, you know, take Phil Anselmo," and Phil Anselmo retaliated by saying, "Give me five minutes alone with him," and wrote a song off the back of it and a music video to boot, which was which another thing about yeah. Pantera for talking about that is. You know, they never had extravagant videos. We we may come on to Planet Caravan in a minute, but five minutes alone was literally looks like it was filmed in a in, in a basement somewhere, you know, low budget. Um, but the the energy and the rawness you get off that video and Phil's energy, you know, even even though obviously they're singing to a backing track and it's not live, just the energy of them all it is fucking great to see from a band. I also think in the days before the breakdown, it has one of the best mosh calls ever in that of head banging through broken glass. I just think yeah. such a good, uh, I, when I hear that bit, I just want to go nuts in the kitchen or doing, <laughs> doing the washing up or whatever I'm doing. I absolutely yeah, it, it's... love that bit. It is a phenomenal track. And then into I'm Broken, which the riff on that... Sorry, just I want to touch on this, actually. The percussion on this album of Rex and Vinnie Paul, I think, is fucking brilliant. The the opening to I'm Broken is a proper, you know, the bassy... Just, they really drive this album. Um, And then... Can I just uh, highlight the uh, 101% proof live version of that as uh, <laughs> is the definitive. I'm having a good time. I yeah. absolutely love that bit in 101% proof. I'm having it, a good time. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I'm broken. Just the part that it, it's so, it's almost. And I'm trying. I'm sort of singing my head. It's a bit sludgy, like proper text, and like, wow, 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 wow. Southern, that's southern, southern, southern that's groove exactly to it, hasn't it? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, Venny. I mean, as I said, I'm not going to try and put you on the spot here, but can you think of any album that has four tracks as crushing as an as an opener? I mean, you could probably you could probably look at some, yeah. you know, maybe Master of Puppets. Some Metallica albums. I'm not well versed in Metallica as you would be, um, but I mean certainly. Let's take our favourite band, Maiden. There's probably not for, an album of four tracks that come out of the gates as heavy as this. Yeah, it's just the energy and uh, 
it's exciting. It's just, yeah, it's just, and and also I think it's important to highlight the moment in time as well. The mid nineties, heavy metal yeah. was kind of yeah. dying on its ass. Like there were, this was before your your kind of your Roadrunner bands were starting to come through, and you know the end of hair metal and this kind of thing. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that's an important thing to highlight is when it came out. Nothing like no, that. And on. I think going back to one hundred and one proof, like you said, is there's a there's a point there where Phil says to the crowd, um, people are saying that heavy music's dead and gone, and Pantera certainly definitely made sure that heavy music did not did not die during that period with this with an album like this um yeah then the good friends and a bottle of pills <laughs> i fucking love the opening uh lines to this song uh was it uh it just asked i fucked your girlfriend last night while you were asleep <laughs> proper from going four tracks like that into a not ridiculous but completely out of context the first four songs but again is is do you th- is there a bad song on this album do you think i mean good friends in a bottle of pills is odd isn't it i mean it's got some questionable lyrics in it and there is you know a certain degree of swagger that you've got to accept with pantera but I don't know, looking back at that as a 50-year-old man, whether Phil Anselmo is entirely proud of, you know, the lyrics in that track. Um, but I, I do, not that I, you know, condone what the lyrics are saying, but I do quite like it as a bit of an oddity. It's such a ballsy track to put on track five. That's kind of, as a kind Absolutely. of track 12 out, uh, track 12. Uh, song rather than track five after that four song stampede from the outset so i i, I quite like having it in there just as something quite yeah to um, up. and then obviously you you go into hardline sunken cheeks which is and and it that is definitely the lull there's a rift <laughs> yeah there are big rifts in it there are big rifts but one of the questions when you say to this and i'll put this question bluntly to you Do, does this album fall off a cliff in the second Absolutely half not. i sorry for me personally no um i think if you're talking about are the is the second half of the album as strong as the first certainly not but i absolutely love the the the, the, the follow-up tracks on this um slaughtered yeah, I like Slaughter. I, I, you know, it's when you put those four tracks together at the start, nothing in the second half is able to but it, live with that. But I, I agree with what you're about to say in that, you know, they are good Pantera tracks. But but it's not an album, album where, like, sorry, I don't mean to go back to dissing Orsburn Red, but where you sort of fade out. But at least each of the tracks grabs your attention there's something different in there. Um, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. it's obviously not as strong as the first four. I'm not going to keep repeating myself on that, but by no means is it a, you know, sort of massive decline from the start of the album. There's some absolute beauties in here. Use my third arm. And yeah, I quite like 25 years as well. The 25 years kicked in with the, fucking depressed bit and it's so it's very similar riff to I, I don't know if they intentionally reused it in in uh, reinventing the steel for um will grind that axe for a long time i basically i was listening to it just thought oh it's exactly the same but yeah i i agree i i do like the second half of this album sometimes i just put the second half on because yeah. i'm less kind of familiar do you know what i mean i i've know those first first four tracks like the back of my hand but i quite like listening to the second half of the album so it is good it's decent stuff oh, on absolutely and i think familiar. the way they end the album from throws a rejection into planet caravan is literally seamless it's from a you know heavy track into yeah. covering sabbath um 
like, I mean, Planet Caravan is not a, and I don't mean any disrespect to Sabbath, it's not the most technical track by any means. Do you think Pantera do it justice? Do you think they could do without it on the album? Do you think it adds to the album? On the album. Yeah, I, I really like this version of Planet Caravan. And I think going back to, again, when we we're kids, I, I think the Pantera version was the first version I heard. I, mean, yeah. I think I heard it before the, the Sabbath version. Uh, and I really like, I, I, I think it's a big nod to, they clearly are big fans of Black Sabbath. Uh, I think it's a big nod to what Phil would, and Rex would go on to do in Down, uh, with that kind of more stonery vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. And I like it's kind of very woozy and uh, they're clearly on on some, uh, some <laughs> drugs or others recording it. So I... I you know, I really like it. I don't, I don't know whether they needed to do a video for it and push it as a single, but um, no. yeah, I, I really like its inclusion. You? Yeah, I I, th- I could do without it, to be honest. Like I said, it doesn't offend me. I just think, and it doesn't ruin the album. I just think the fact the way it starts so ferociously and it ends so... <laughs> Yeah, mellowy, like you said. But again, they they were making statements, weren't they? They were two fingers up to everyone. We don't give a, a flying fuck, you know. Um, the artwork, obviously, Venny. We've talked about artwork last week. What's your opinion on the yeah. artwork? Yeah, I I like it. I, I like all the Pantera artwork. I I um yeah, this one's very iconic. Very iconic, isn't it? Yeah, it's it it's simple to the point. Um, you know, much like vulgar before that. Um, you know, the classic guy getting smashed across the face, and this one is just yeah. it's 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 very basic, but very hard hitting as well, isn't it? It's it's a, a recognizable. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, this may sound strange. Do you think this is their, in a way, their mellowest album as well? Um, no, no. I, I mean, they have mellow points in all their albums. You could look at Cemetery Gates. You could look at um, This Love. You could look at um, Floods. You know, on each album, they have got mellower points. But I, I think just the way this one starts so ferociously, I don't think you could ever say that. Mm. No, I, I just, when I was listening to it, um, when I went shopping the other day and had the headphones and walking around uh, Tesco's and I was thinking, it, after, after the first four, it it doesn't get, Mellow's probably the right word, but it's it's a bit more, I don't know whether it's just good friends and not bottle of pills, but sort of gets a bit, you know, mellowy around that track and I just I thought yeah. comments on there. Um, I mean... <laughs> I don't know how you weren't smashing cans of beans on the tile <laughs> floor during the first. There floor. were there were, were some poor old women doing uh, self, self shopping who had to duck for cover during I'm broken. <laughs> um, where in terms of ranking this album before we finish oh. off because time is time is um, getting on us now. Where do you rank this in? The five albums as we've, as we've discussed. I mean, this it might be a, we could spend the whole podcast talking about this, but I, for me, this it, this is at the business end of proceedings, <laughs> and for me, um, there is only one album that I like more than this. Yeah, so it'd be my number two. Okay, are you going to share your number one? <laughs> uh, can you guess my number one? Yeah, great song. It's not a tip. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is a great song. Um, yeah. I, when we first, uh, well, you know, when we went to download it, we, we sort of, you and I just yeah, yeah, on yeah. our own and did our top 20, album, uh, top 20 albums of all time. Um, I had Volga in the uh, Volga display, and I think it was probably more of a, a sentimental, uh, yeah. you know, my when you heard walk for the first time, but having listened um, to this again and gone on it a couple more times since I'm probably going to say this is, this is number one for me. 
Yeah, I I'm, I would not begrudge anyone who said this is their favorite Pantera album in any stretch of you know by any stretch. It is it is a all time classic, and I would have it any day over. Um, clearly reinventing the steel. Oh yes, it's going to be the weakest. Yeah, I would have it over Cowboys, and I would have it over Volga. Volga is a classic, but um. It is a classic. I think this just it just just takes the far beyond driven. I think just takes their them to a next level. Um, yeah, <laughs> excuse the pun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's good. Um, so yeah, that that ends this week's show podcast, if you will. Um, next week we are reviewing begrudgingly to Venny Nightwish's <laughs> recent human. Dash two dash dot semicolon nature. Um, and Venny, which, which pick have you gone for? So, there are a few things out this week, none, none as stand out as the, the Nightwish album, but I would like to review the new album from Azusa, which features members of Extol and Dillinger Escape Plan. And it, as my turn for the, the <coughs> deep cut. Uh, on inspired by listening to Iris, I would like to talk about a EP that is not not widely discussed, but Conjurer's initial EP one or I um, as as the deep cut for next week. In- interesting, very interesting. An EP, Tw- EP twenty three minutes, and that is partly just to offset the uh, night wish. <laughs> to our, our symphonic metal. <laughs> yeah, we were going to have to have much time after reviewing the Nightwish album. <laughs> Great. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll we'll see you next next session um, on heavy matters. Thanks for, thanks for dialing in, Benny. I'll talk to you soon, mate. Cheers. Pleasure, pleasure, Peace. mate. Speak Peace to you out. Soon. Cheers. Right, nice one. Lovely. That's perfect. Good.